Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast, sharing stories of transformation after pregnancy and infant loss. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Aubrey, hello. Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. And I know a little bit about you, but please fill in our listeners um, like a couple interesting things about yourself. Yeah, of course. So my name is Aubrey. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm originally from Washington State, though. Um, and my husband and I met in the Atlanta airport, actually. Um, then we reconnected back at school in Utah. Um, and we've been living in Nashville now for two and a half years. And it's really fun. We love, my husband grew up in the South, so we love being in the South. It's really fun. Um, we have um, two living children. Grace is four years old. Clark is two. And then our angel baby, Tet, who I'll talk a lot about today. Perfect. Well, you must be really busy with those. It is very busy. It's the best kind of busy, but it's very busy. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I'd love to visit Nashville. I hear the food is really good. Oh, it's so great. Everything's really fun. It's a fun place to visit. And it's and it's a pretty fun place to live. We live like 40 minutes south of like downtown Nashville. So we're just enough outside of the city that we don't have to deal with like all the big city parts. Yeah. But we can, it's so easy to just pop in for all the fun stuff. So it's great. Oh, man. That is really cool. And I just can't believe you met at the airport. <laughs> I know, I know. It's great. And yeah, we've been we got married in 2017. So we've been married six years this year. Wow. So congratulations. Great. My husband and I have our anniversary this year too. <laughs> okay, so I'd love for you to dive into your butterfly stories. So like what was life like for you before this most recent child? Yes. So we, um, so our third baby Tess, um, we found out we were pregnant with her. Uh, She was planned. We were super excited. Um, And we actually got a terminal fetal diagnosis at our 20 week anatomy scan. So everything was going great. Everything was fine. I have like really, I'm really lucky and blessed. My pregnancies are really easy. I love being pregnant so much. And so I mean, everything was great. Everything was perfect. And at our 20-week anatomy scan, um, they found that she had anencephaly. And essentially what that is, um, is her neural tube, I get the base of her skull, didn't develop in like the very, very early stages of pregnancy. And so um, from like the top of her head, like right above her eyebrows, all the way back to the back of her skull, didn't develop. So it's kind of, it's, for babies with anencephaly, it can be different. Some of them like don't develop brain tissue at all. Her brain tissue was really developed, but um, but there was no skull and there were large parts of her brain that that were missing. And so it is a, a, a terminal diagnosis. We knew that she wouldn't survive very long after birth at all. Um, and so we had the anatomy scan. I was I mean, it was our third baby. And so my husband was planning to come with us, come with me to the scan and something came up for work and I was like, no big deal. It's totally fine. Like, I'll just take the kids. It's all good. No stress. Like we had already found out the gender. We knew it was a girl. So I was like, oh, it's it's fine. So I go to my scan and I have the kids with me and I'm like wrangling them and just like half, like so distracted. I was barely even like paying attention to the ultrasound. 
Um, and then, you know, the ultrasound tech didn't really, didn't say anything to us. We went back into the office and my doctor gave us, gave me the, she had me call my husband actually first, which was good. She had me call him before she like even said anything. And then I knew something was really wrong. And so she kind of explained the diagnosis a little bit. And then she just, she was, she let us choose. She said, it's fully up to you, whether you choose to continue the pregnancy or whether you choose to terminate. Um, the political climate is really difficult right now with, um, like choosing to abort and all these things. And so, especially where we live in Tennessee, I would have to travel to a different state, but that was really never, we, we really knew that we wanted to continue to carry to term. Um, and I was really grateful for the choice I had to do that. So it was really like, I guess like, I feel like that was almost the, the first part of the loss. Like he was still there, but that was like the beginning of like the chrysalis phase for me of like the, the messy part, even though she, she was still there. Like I felt her moving all the time. Like I got to bond with her while she was in my womb, but we knew what was coming. And so that was, we got her diagnosis in November of this last year, November, 2022. Um, and like I said, it was, it wasn't a very hard decision for us to choose to continue to carry her to term. Um, I think a lot, I know, well, definitely a lot of things played into that. And, um, you know, one of the things being that my body does respond really well to pregnancy. It's, it's, it's a really enjoyable experience for me. Um, and, and the fact we, we had other children already, I don't know, we just thought there were so many things that played into it, but I also like, it's just such a complicated, everyone's story is so different and like, you can't judge anyone's decision, you know, this way or that way. So anyway, I, I right away, like I had never heard of this diagnosis, number one, before like we got it. And so I started to network and reach out and try and find um, support in any way I could of people who had maybe gone through a similar thing or, or, you know, could, could kind of help because it's, it's, it's a hard thing to feel like you're doing alone. Um, and so we were, we were lucky. We got connected to like one um, group specifically. It was just like a Facebook group, but of, of, um, of people and like families who had chosen to carry to term a child with this specific diagnosis of anencephaly. And it's a really rare diagnosis. It's like a one in 5,000 chance that, that the baby will be diagnosed with this. Um, but anyway, so we, we got the initial diagnosis, kind of got over the initial shock of it. Her due date wasn't until the end of March. So we, you know, had a few months where lots of things are really like unknown and, really at any point we knew that she could pass in the womb, but there wasn't any specific, it, it just, it, we just didn't know. We didn't know how, how long she was going to live, if she would be born alive, if she would live afterwards. It was just so, and that was really hard for me because I am a planner and like, I do not like not knowing like what's going to happen. So that was difficult. Um, but then we kind of just settled into it. Then it was like, we were so like, so grateful for like any like moments we got to like, feel her kick around and like bond with her. We talked to the kids about her all the time and they loved talking about Tess. And we did, that was probably the hardest part was, was explaining it to the kids. But from the very beginning, our four-year-old, she understood a lot. Two-year-old, not so much, but we would like just talk about baby Tess and we would talk about how right now, you know, in that moment she was in my belly, she was growing. We could, we could feel her. She could hear us talk. We would talk about all that. And then we would, um, you know, we would 
also just explained in very like clear, concise ways to our four-year-old, like, you know, when it's time for her to be born, we're going to go to the hospital. She's going to be born and then she's going to die in the hospital and she won't get to come home with us. And we would just, I would almost like repeat it like, like a mantra, like to like our four-year-old. So, so we would just like talk about it all the time. Like, this is what's going to happen. Like, here's what's happening now. And here's what's going to happen later. Here's what's happening now. Here's what's going to happen later. And that was, um, she had, she had questions, not so many, but whenever she had questions, we would answer them. Um, and she would, she would tell us that she felt sad and that was sad for us too, you know, but, um, but yeah. And then, and then it was, you know, in that, in those couple months, it was, it was interesting because everything was really normal, but we just knew it wasn't going to be when she was born. And so my pregnancy felt really normal. We were still like, life was really normal. Like everything felt normal until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, um, I continued to go to all my regular OB appointments. Um, I got to have ultrasounds like every time I went to the OB and I requested that. I said, this is, this is like the only time I get to see her. I really want all the pictures. So we got a ton of ultrasound pictures and videos and that was a huge blessing. Um, my husband got to go to several of those with me. Um, and so that was great. Um, so then we near, as we were nearing towards when she was due, um, we, I had my, I wanted to do an unmedicated birth. I hadn't done that before with my other two, but I, I always had a desire to have an unmedicated birth. And as soon as we got tested diagnosis, I kind of knew that like, this was the one I wanted to do. Like I, I knew that that was what I wanted. And so, um, we were planning that. So I didn't really want to be induced if I didn't have to. Um, we were talking with my doctor, but throughout my pregnancy, one thing that's kind of common with, um, anencephalic pregnancies is, um, polyhydraminose, the extra fluid that builds up. Mm -hmm. And it's because the, a lot of babies with anencephaly don't have the parts of their brain develop that trigger that, um, that reflex to like swallow the amniotic fluid and recycle it in the womb. And so because they're not swallowing as much, they might swallow a little bit, but they're not doing it as, as much. The fluid just builds up because your body just keeps creating more and more fluid. And it just, it just becomes a lot. So I was that my, they were measuring my fluid levels and they just kept increasing and kept increasing. And that could, I had some, had some complications or it could, you know, have caused some complications with pregnant, with delivery specifically. Um, mostly for me, not so much for her. And so we were aware of that and, and we're watching the levels and they just continue to get more and more. And so we did schedule an induction and it was, I was hoping I, I, cause I was like all the time that I got with her was the time in the womb. So I was like, like, like how far can we make it? How far can we make it? But I knew that it was important to make sure that I was safe and that she was safe. Um, and so we scheduled an induction for, we scheduled it for like 37 weeks. But then I had another appointment like on a Tuesday. It was like a week and a half before the scheduled induction and my fluid levels had gotten really like even like they were just kept getting significantly higher. So we moved up the induction and it was scheduled for, I think I had an appointment on a Tuesday and they scheduled it up for that Sunday. Well, then on Thursday of that week, it was actually my birthday, which was a really sad day, <laughs> but it was my birthday and I woke up that morning and I just wasn't feeling her move around. And I kind of like, she moved so much. She kicked all the time. And so I woke up, I was kind of rolling around and I wasn't feeling her move. And I just kind of like deep inside, I like knew 
but I was like so hopeful <laughs> that she hadn't passed. And I like drank a bunch of cold water. My kids hadn't gotten up yet. So I was kind of just like, just waiting and waiting. And I like, I felt like one like tiny, tiny, like push back. I was like pushing on my belly, right? Like, come on, like, are you there? Wake up. And I felt one tiny, tiny little push kick back and I didn't feel anything else. And so I called Logan and I told him, I think I, I texted him. I was like, I, I don't know if I'm being like paranoid, but like I haven't felt her move all morning. It's been like an hour, hour and a half. So I called my doctor and I asked to go in and, and, and check. And so we went in like an hour later and, and they did an ultrasound and she had passed. And so that was really sad because we were hoping to meet her alive. We really, really wanted to meet her alive. But um, in a way, it kind of was like looking back, I think I can see, I definitely can see like some like silver linings to the way that it happened. She passed away on a Thursday, but I, it was really important to me that both my OB and my doula be able to be attend to attend the birth because I'd worked so much with them and I really it was just really important to me. And so there weren't any complications and risks to me waiting a couple of days, even after she passed until I delivered. And that Saturday, so just like two, two days later was the first day that both my doula and OB were available to be there. And so we decided to wait until then to proceed with the induction. And, um, so for that, like that Thursday and Friday, those days before the induction, um, I like, look, I'm so grateful that we were able to like mourn and like process and like come to grips, like to know exactly what we were walking into in the hospital. We knew exactly what to expect. Not exactly, but you know, we knew it had already passed and I, it relieved so much of my anxiety because I was so, I, I so wanted to meet her alive, but I know that if I would have been laboring and constantly like, how's her heart rate? Like, how are we doing? Like, how's she doing? Is she still there? Is she still there? Cause she could have passed at any time in delivery as well. And I think that I think that that would have been a lot harder for me. And even though it was so hard not getting to meet her alive, like I was, I was grateful that we had those days. So we just, my husband took off work. We were just home with the kids. My mom was such, was so amazing. She, we don't have any family that lives here in Tennessee. And so my mom lives in Washington and she flew down to be with us. She actually stayed with us for two months. She was with us for like my whole, like, like six weeks postpartum. She was with us the whole time to help with the kids, which was so incredibly helpful because, you know, life goes on and two toddlers are a lot to deal with, especially when like all of us were like mourning and grieving and just like adjusting to, to the loss of our baby. And so, um, so yeah, we went, labor and delivery was incredible. It was amazing. It was like the, I, I couldn't have like, I couldn't have wished for anything to go differently. It was wonderful. I was able to, to labor unmedicated. It was a quick labor. It was it was relatively easy. Like it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and she was born and we were able to have, thankfully in the hospital, they have like a cuddle cot that we were able to keep her with us for a few days. Well, like a day and a half. So she was born like late Saturday night. We went home like Monday morning. And because she had already passed, we weren't stressed about getting the kids there super fast to meet her before she passed or any of these things. We were just able to like relax and like enjoy our time, like with her sweet little body and like with her there with us, like in, you know, be able to hold her and it, like the kids came and they were able to like hold her and be with her. And, you know, it was, it was a really, really beautiful like time in the hospital. It was wonderful. And coming home, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was, we, if we'd been preparing for it for so long, like we knew for four months before she was born that she was going to pass, but 
it was just, it was, it was surreal. It just didn't feel, it didn't feel real. I was like, was I really pregnant like three days ago? It just didn't feel like it. My physical recovery was really great. And so like, seriously, like a week later, I was like, I, I went back to work. Like I was like, like ready to like go back. I feel like, like physically I felt really great. And mentally and emotionally, I was really like craving like that structure. And my mom was there with the kids. I'm like, they're taking care of, let me go do something for me. And for me, that was coming back to work, which was really great. Um, but yeah, it just, it felt surreal. It was like, that, did that really happen? Like it did happen. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, and, and since, since she's, I guess it's been, she, so she was born at the end of February. She's born February 25th. So it's been three and a half months, almost four months since she was born. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that I went through like another like chrysalis phase, of course, like right after she was born and after she, after she had passed and and we kind of got back to regular life. I feel like those months when I was pregnant with her, after we got her diagnosis, once we kind of settled into the knowing of that, it was, I just felt really grateful and I just felt really like happy to be pregnant with her. And I like felt like we saw so many like little miracles of connecting with people and like I just was I just felt like really just like carried along by like friends and family and like prayers and love and support and I just felt yeah just and honestly like it, it felt kind of easy to just like be in that spot you know and then when she was born immediately after the first couple of weeks it still felt that way like we were like so sustained by like acts of kindness and prayers and all these things. And then after a couple of weeks, it was like, I felt like the, the energy that it took for me to be a part of those miracles, I like didn't have it in me to like keep being a part of it and like actively like seek for the blessings and the miracles and all these things. And so then I feel, and then it got really hard and it just felt like, okay, like now, like now, now what? Like we have been for months so blessed and like grateful and seeing these miracles and like now what? <laughs> and so um, you know, my husband and I had a lot of talks and and I was really grateful that in that time my mom was still here helping with the kids. So I was able to like, you know, t- just just take a break from myself. I was able to just go down to the cemetery by myself and visit Tess or like run to Walmart by myself and like do something to just like clear my head. Like I was I was able to do that. And I was really grateful. Um, and I had a great support system of friends who were so willing to to listen. And my best friend actually attended my birth. She's mm-hmm. had four unmedicated births of her own. And she I was so happy to have her there. She was able to take pictures and film for me. So I have like video of her birth. And so anyway, I just I had a great support system of friends who were really understanding. And who like were willing to listen anytime I wanted to talk about Tess and also didn't push me to talk about it if I didn't, if I didn't want to talk about it. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that the butterfly phase now is, 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 I feel like sometimes it takes work. <laughs> like you still have to work to like look for those like miracles and blessings, but I really, I, I cherish the time that like, I got to carry Tess. I cherish the time we got with her, like physically with her here, like after being born, even though it was so short, 
like we have pictures all over our house of like our family pictures we took in the hospital and my kids still love to talk about her and I I hope they always do we visit her you know at the cemetery every so often with the kids and they love it so but I definitely I do feel I feel like it's helped me um like be more empathetic and understanding of not even just like like pregnancy and infant loss but just anything that people are going through like everyone's going through something and and I'm just grateful to yeah I feel like it's opened my my empathetic eyes and and helped me to connect with people in a lot of different ways well and I think it's amazing that you're even talking to me about this right now because like you said it's only been four and a half months and like there is plenty of time for butterfly moments to emerge over time and you know some of them will take effort and some of them will just like naturally come but like the way you talk about Tess is amazing like you just light up when you talk about her and I really love the way you've involved your children you know both like by giving Tess a name really early on so she had an identity for them and you didn't hide what was happening from them. I think like they will thank you later when when they're adults and they'll like learn more about <laughs> childbirth and everything. They're gonna look back and be like, Wow, my mom was a rock star. Like she did something so hard and it would have been easier for her to probably just keep it from us, but she taught us so much along the way. Like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was hard. That was the hardest part for me, I think, was the kids. Like, because it was, it was so hard for all of us to process, but I almost feel like having to like explain it to the kids and talking about it in like child terms, like helped me process it too. Cause I was like, this is a big complicated thing, but you know what? It's really not like, this is like, this is what we know this is what's happening now and I that's like helps me it's like a skill I've like used in like other situations already I'm like all right big complicated thing okay what's happening now in like small terms what's gonna happen next what do we know what do we not know that's all you can do so that's that's really sad advice (laughs) (laughs) and it really seems like you've been like you're a strong woman as like by yourself but it seems like you've been floating on some extra power like you've been oh absolutely with some extra strength and it's just so amazing that we don't have to be alone in things like this absolutely there was a an organization that we got connected to pretty early that was really phenomenal they're an organization that helps um um families who have chosen to carry to term an infant with a terminal fetal diagnosis and there are you know, anencephaly is just one of many um, terminal fetal diagnoses that that are not common, but like maybe more common than you think. Um, the organization is called Able Speaks. A B E L was the name of of this family's son that they lost. Um, I can't remember what year it was that Able was born, but it's a beautiful organization that we got connected to, and we're able to talk to some people, and they've been so supportive. They've like sent us gifts with. Tess's name on them and just like so just been a great community to connect to of people who have who have been through a similar thing whether it's the exact same diagnosis or not it's you know families who have chosen to carry to term a child that they did not know the outcome like of what was going to happen 
And so that organization is really incredible and and um and kind of their the reason that it's called Abel Speaks, there's a scripture in Hebrews that um that talks about um it says and and through faith Abel still speaks. And so they are, you know, so wonderful. They would send us messages and say, you know, through your faith, Tess still speaks. Like she's still like she still makes an impact. And she's made an impact on us. She's made an impact on so many people. Um and she she still speaks. And that like I so that like that scripture now and that like just like that that truth of like the impact that such small lives can have is incredible. Oh my goodness. I love that. That's really neat. Is that an organization that is local to Nashville? No, it's they actually are originated in, in Texas, I believe. Um, but they help families all across the nation and they will help find um uh birth photographers for mm-hmm. families who would like bereavement photography in the hospital. They have like networks of people who who live all over, like photographers who have offered um to help out and they'll help um they help with lots of different things and then and then just being that support. They have like an annual retreat every year for families who can come to meet in person with other families who have um had a similar loss. It's it's a really beautiful organization. I am so happy to learn about them. Wow. They're wonderful. It's cool to see the way that people have you know, turn their pain into something beautiful and like just like April's family and I'm sure yes. there are volunteers involved with that organization and Yeah, there are, yeah. It's amazing. And it just helps it just helps so much, like knowing that you're not alone mm-hmm. and knowing that and, and just seeing other people who yeah, everyone's story is so unique, but 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 we're you're just not alone and that helps a lot. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well I'm going to have to add that to my list of resources. So if you were to talk to another parent in your situation, what advice would you have for them? Mm. I think, I think that the piece of advice that I would give, don't be afraid to like to process and to, work through things the way that you need to do it. My husband and I were very different in the way we processed and worked through things. I was a talker and a sharer and wanted to, I wanted to, to share so that I had those, that extra prayer and support and love. And that kind of stressed my husband out at the beginning. And we had a lot of conversations about how we were different in that, but, but I, but that was, that was what I needed was to be able to share so that the whole time that we, yeah, we were able to receive the support we needed in temporal ways and spiritual ways, like in social ways, like all these different ways that we were being supported. Um, and I also think just making as many memories as you can with the time that you have. Um, it was, yeah, like it's, it's a hard and it's a unique type of loss, like of knowing the loss is coming and then waiting so long for it to happen is really unique and hard, but it also can be really beautiful. And there can be a lot of, a lot of joy, even amidst sorrow and like anticipating 
that hard time, there can be so much joy. And so I think just being able to find the joy, create the joy, however you can. Um, and so that you have those good memories to look back on, on the time that you were able to spend with your child. I love that because that's what you have the rest of forever is memories. Mm -hmm. Well, Aubrey, thank you so much. I know, like you said, you are a sharer, so I'm sure you enjoy doing this more than your husband would have. (laughs) (laughs) So I know it's still fresh and I think this is really valuable for someone to hear who it may be really fresh for them. So thank you for sharing. And I feel your love for Tess so strongly. And I know that she is still making her mark in this world through you. So thanks, Bailey. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was great. You bet. Well, if anyone wanted to reach out to you and, you know, ask questions with that diagnosis or, or any be related would they be able to find you on facebook or instagram yeah i'm on instagram and my account isn't private and i've shared a lot um on my instagram as well there's a lot of um, information i kind of shared along the way um but my instagram handle is aubrey mcdonald underscore and yeah there's a lot of information that i did some question and answers about anencephaly about our story and stuff and yeah happy to share perfect yeah your page is amazing and a great resource so thank you for putting it out there of course thank you okay well I'll let you go but you have a good night and thank you for your time thanks so much I appreciate it okay bye-bye speaking of transformations this podcast is brought to you by perhaps the most transformative product that exists for your skin promycin an acne treatment that actually works and fast. My cute husband has had acne since he was a teenager and this summer he used promycin and for the first time ever his black was clear. I'm not kidding I saw a difference after one use and five days later the acne was gone. Promycin comes from the Cara Poloni skincare line and I love and use all of her products, including micro needle powder cleanser, nano silver spray, healing facial serum, hydrating kiss mist spray, and their lip balm. My favorite part is that every ingredient is natural and supplied by the wholesaler Bulk Naturals. So get your skin transformation started at carapaloni.com or simply just Google Promycin.